So this is a movie that you guys will like. I thought it was okay. Oh baby, that was good. I am stupid. I like to cook slop. You want to top that slop? Thought we were gonna have fun here. Yes, queen. Down with guilty pleasures, up with pleasure pleasures. Did we talk you into? Thank you for listening to Talk Me Into, the podcast where a group of friends try to talk each other, and maybe even you, into liking what we like. This episode is The Handmaiden. My name is Jimmy, and grape is my favorite flavor of candy. My name is Jeff, and chicken is the absolute worst pizza topping. Oh. My name is Dan, and I like to go for walks. we start a book club or like a knitting club or something like who are we what have we become usually these are like wildly varied like somebody will have a crazy tale from their past and dan will be like i peel eggs but this time we were just all like we are grandmothers i like grape candy i don't like that topping on pizza let's go for a stroll herman so Jim- also you you are wrong about that by the way but we'll we'll get there oh no he's right He's very right. I, I'm right because oh, you can't just put chicken on there. You have to pre-cook it. Yep. And then when you put it on the pizza, it's it just dry. overcooks. It's just dry and it's bland. Like I love chicken. I'm a I'm a chicken boy. You can call me crazy for cock. I don't care. I love chicken. But on <laughs> So you pizza, don't like like a, no. a barbecue chicken or like a buffalo chicken pizza? No, not on a pizza. And the buffalo chicken uh. pizza, hear me out. I am all about different kinds of pizzas, right? And I I I've had buffalo chicken pizza. It's fine. But like when you're in a work setting pre-pandemic and hopefully post-pandemic, of course, or like a party setting, somebody always has to get the buffalo chicken. And that just takes up an entire slot for a better pizza. And then you eat it and you're like, (laughs) this is dry chicken and it's just buffalo sauce, which I love. But we're having pizza. We're not having buffalo wings. And everybody's like, yeah, buffalo chicken pizza. That is so stupid. Stupid. Pineapple on a pizza belongs more than chicken does. I've defended pineapple on pizza before. It belongs there. I'm for various ingredients while also being a traditionalist. And being both of those, chicken doesn't belong in either situation. Can't even get a word in here. I will say in Jimmy's defense that there is one type of chicken on pizza. Shredded. No. If done well, can be really juicy, succulent, and good. And that is a breaded chicken on a chicken parmesan pizza agreed mm. i 100% agree with that i know there's a place in prospect that jimmy likes to frequent that does a really good chicken parmesan pizza yes yes mm. they do i would this, rather Jeff? get eggplant parmesan pizza eh. which i did get most recent the most recent pizza i had had eggplant and meatballs and it was delectable also oh, before my, we la- get my to- last pizza had a buff a barbecue chicken pizza literally last night i had a barbecue chicken pizza mm-hmm. and it was pretty good uh also know. jimmy y- yes. you would prefer a grape candy over like a chocolate candy or peanut butter or are you only talking about like hard candies i'm only talking about like hard candies okay, okay. Yeah, like I, I I do f with like chocolates and stuff like that. But like, if there's like a flavored candy that's like a, a hard candy, like a Pez, a Pez for instance, yeah. I will go for the grape flavor. <laughs> a, a, uh, a Pez, if you will, a, <laughs> so, a yeah. delectable sugar brick that protrudes from <laughs> yes. the character's neck, uh, if you will. I will have a grape, please. <laughs> 
so <laughs> or I, like a nerds or like a runs or something like that i think all people can be broken down into two categories which would be <laughs> sugar candies or chocolate candies and when i say chocolate candies i don't mean they're necessarily chocolate but you know what i mean like peanut butter right. caramel you know those types savory of as well yeah so jimmy are you a sugar candy or a chocolate candy guy uh I would say in the grand scheme of things, I'm probably a chocolate candy guy, mm-hmm. but I do really enjoy like a, a hard candy, like sweet candy. I think as a child, you were more of a sugar candy yes. kid. Agreed. Like, I, I definitely liked sour and sweet. Yeah. See, I was never as a child when we went trick or treating, my sister and I would combine all our candies and she would take all the Comic sugars sweet. and I would right. take all the chocolates. Right. Jimmy, hmm. Jeff, what are you responding I called you a commie because you're sharing candy. Yeah, I am. That's fine. Because capitalism yes. has been working great so far, right? <laughs> Jeff, I'm so going to go out on a limb and say that you're a chocolate candy guy. See, I I wouldn't say I lean one way or the other, but if I have to choose, because you're asking me the question, you do the the amount that I love gummy bears is going to sway me to the, oh. the fruity, sweeter side of things interesting that is i true. do love my gummies yeah. in retrospect i remember <laughs> i remember that you would frequently sneak a bag of gummy lifesavers into movies and i would end up eating yes. a lot of them yes, yes. gummy lifesaver basically anything in gummy form is better than the non-gummy <laughs> form like gummy lifesavers are better than lifesavers Agreed. because they're gummy and i think that they're just they're like juicier like yeah i'll f off some gushers yeah i'll so, f off some fruit snacks mm. some airheads some chewy lemon heads i got lemon heads for christmas in my stocking from my mother-in-law and i thought they were chewy because i forgot that lemon heads are hard and i hurt my tooth <laughs> so jimmy and i are hot tea boys and we've made certain classifications yes. are you are are you and jimmy now gummy guys i'm a oh. gummy guy <laughs> you are I'm, gummy guys i'm a cold brew do <laughs> <laughs> no you're not you don't drink cold brew coffee you're well, a cold, cold tea boy you still brew tea you dumb bitch Ask anyone what cold brew is, Jeff, and they'll say. I coffee. know, I know, cold brew is coffee. Well, this this was heated. I didn't expect this to happen in a handmaiden episode. <laughs> and also, Dan, I we gotta ask, where are you walking to, bud? What's your walking schedule like? So I'm trying to stay physically fit and healthy, and I really hate using an elliptical, even though I own one. I find it incredibly boring. Um, yes. I enjoy going for walks and just seeing the sights. So now yeah. every day on my lunch break, I just take, you know, 20 minutes or so. And I don't even do go anywhere exciting. I just like walk downtown, make a couple laps around the green, maybe walk a block in one direction or another, and then turn back and head back to work. Do you think, because with the frequency in which you're saying that you walk in the town that uh, we grew up in, mm-hmm. that there are kids that are like, you know, 10 to 15 that see you and have a nickname for you and made up a backstory for you. I wish. Because, uh, like, no. so there's, uh, there's, 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 like, the anti-biker we saw. There was Larry, the yep. homeless guy, and yeah. everybody sees them and makes up their own story. Do you think, they're like, there goes yeah. that banker who drowned his family in a tub? <laughs> uh, it's funny that you say that because there's a girl that walks through our neighborhood. She's a young woman, and she's literally talking on her cell phone every single time you see her. So my niece has taken to calling her the phone walker. 
But no, the time of day that I'm going for my walk, everyone's in school and work, and I can usually do the entire walk without like ever seeing someone for an extended period of time. That's pretty nice. Yesterday was the first time that there was a man waiting for a bus, and I did three laps around the green, and he gave me a look on the second and third laps, like, the fuck is this guy doing? Sorry, Sorry Jim. Jim. <laughs> yeah, I used, like, to, I used to love to walk downtown when I lived in the city, but since I moved to a condo complex and it's cold out, I've done it zero times. Yeah. So, yeah, go for walks, guys. <laughs> we, I, I really want... I want to do like an entire episode just talking about the homeless people in Naugatuck because like there's so many good stories. A lot of them are dying, of, the ones that we knew. Yeah, Larry's yeah. Gone, for sure. Yeah. Uh, rest in peace. Jeff, do yeah. we have any ratings, reviews, emails, tweets, etc.? We actually got, wait for it, a five star <laughs> review on Apple Podcast by Erica Peace One. She says, great banter, great topics. I love the chemistry that the three hosts have. You can tell they're good friends by the amount they make fun of each other. Even when I'm not into the topic, it's worth a listen just for them. And hey, maybe they'll talk me into something I didn't expect to like. This is the most boiled down, perfect review I have ever read. And uh, I hate to say it, but I'm pretty sure that's my lady friend. Oh, boy. Oh boy, she's trying thought to we get on Jimmy's good side. Jimmy, I thought we weren't talking about relationships on the podcast. We're not, but uh, you know, we're just uh, you know, it's it's happening. Are you podcast official? Uh, you know, well, by the, podcast. I don't. I don't want to uh, cast bad luck on you, but by the time this I comes know. out, you'll probably be broken up, right? Oh boy! I was gonna say I hope you curse. I hope you break the curse. The last time one of us brought up a new relationship, which was me, uh, it ended very shortly thereafter. And then by the yeah. time the episode aired, it was, I I listened to it and I was like, oh, that's gonna that's gonna sting his wound like salt, just being rubbed well. into it. Yeah. So but break no, that's the curse, Jim. That's cool. That was a good review. Thank you, Erica. Peace one. Every week on Talk Me Into, which is the show you're listening to, but you know that because you're a smart person, we talk ourselves into things. You know, we tell each other what we're talking ourselves into. It's not going to be like a movie like The Handmaiden. It's not going to be like, I don't know, whatever we're doing next week or whatever. Uh, (laughs) Small little things that aren't very interesting. And I'm going to keep in theme with being a grandmother this week because (laughs) I am talking myself into address books. (laughs) Oh my gosh. (laughs) So so I haven't bought one yet, but I really want to. Like I've been, I've been e-shopping for like the perfect address book because, um, I just had a baby. Uh, actually my wife did (laughs) and we had a a baby shower and we had to send out thank you cards. And then we got uh, cute little pictures of her done and we sent out like Merry Christmas cards and we needed people's addresses like her family, Mm. my family, our mutual friends, our personal friends, our our your little baby cousin Jimmy and your, your best friend, Dan, I'm sure. Yeah. You, you guys got three cards from me. I believe I didn't mess around this holiday. Yeah, Ninja Turtle cards. I yes. just went out. And um, 
you know, some addresses uh, I knew, some I would ask my dad for, and I can't do that anymore. So I was like, ah, I got to text family members now. So like, <laughs> I, I got a, we made like a Google sheet with everybody's address and I just worked my way down it. But like, I just want, I, I like tactical things. Like even this, this is just more mean, than just address books. I like to hold to physical you, copies. Jeff. But you mean you like tactile things. Tactical would be something tactile to a battle. <laughs> yeah. Well, also, if I, I get want a my real address book to be fully reloadable with well, nine millimeter bullets, <laughs> <laughs> it's got a little Swiss Army knife on yeah. it. That would it's be a tactical super cute. address book, bro. Yeah, but going back to like comic books, I like physical comic books. I like physical media. Like I, I love Spotify. It's super convenient, but I still love to like hold something that I own. So uh, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna get in the dress book and just fill it out. I think that's that's where I'm at, guys. <laughs> I mean, one thing I'll say is uh, I'm sure your contacts application in your phone allows you to input addresses, and then you wouldn't have to have a too book. much work. It's too much work, Dan. It is. It's I have more to go to every single writing one. it down and buying a book and storing Even, the book somewhere. You know how in your contacts in your phone you could do like work and home. I don't yeah. do that. I make separate contacts because I want to see like that's real dumb. <laughs> I want Bill Manager work. Bill Manager cell phone. It's just I don't that's know. That's one of the dumbest things I've ever heard. Honestly, my font size is also fifteen because I'm a grandmother. <laughs> I like it. Jimmy, what are you talking yourself into this week? So this is a fun little one. Uh, I've been talking myself into re-listening to some of our old episodes. Wow. I feel like um, some of us do that often. Yeah. Where we yeah, bring it up on know. the show. Yeah. Yeah. For um, just, I've, I've ran out of podcast. And We're like very I, narcissistic. Yeah. Sometimes I'm just like, you know, I'm going to, because it's weird because with this podcast i don't know if it's just because of like me and like i've listened to these episodes probably like five or six times before they like go out to the air um and stuff like that so it's pretty rare for me to go back to an episode but i've re-listened to a a couple of them and funny enough both of them had uh, a dan's dream in them and i was like oh my gosh that's so funny and uh uh i re-listened to our uh off menu episode which was uh fun to re-listen to and um, it's a good one, even though yeah, Dan I want... was wrong in his answer. <laughs> so <are laughs> and you. I was too. Yeah, you were both yeah. wrong, but it was a fun yeah. one to record for sure. Yeah, it was definitely fun. It was fun to go through our menus and stuff like that. And then I re-listened to our uh, Minefield episode because I was like, oh, I remember Six Star Brian was a fan of this one. Maybe it's good. And uh, I re-listened to it and it was fun to re-listen to. Then I watched actually a new uh, Vsauce video where he was referencing one of our Minefield episodes. And I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. Oh, well, the not one our with, episode. But, the one yeah. with Sleep. I think I yeah. saw the thumbnail. I haven't watched that one yet. No, this was about time, which was uh, pretty cool. Oh. Yeah. And he was talking about being in isolation and how time felt like. Yeah. At the yeah. time, it felt like it was dragging. But like in like thinking about it in uh in the past it feels like it was like a blip in time and uh that's what he's sort of going into but that's beyond the fact i've been re-listening to talk me into and uh we have a pretty good podcast guys it's pretty Does enjoyable it hold up? yeah it holds up pretty well nice i'm enjoying it yeah dan what are you talking yourself into i am talking myself into something that jimmy inadvertently sort of talked me into which he doesn't even realize oh uh, I'm mm-hmm. talking myself into filling in my discogs. Um, oh, uh, nice! I like uh, mostly, like I'm, I'm sort of doing my collection, but mostly I'm utilizing it as Jimmy does for his want list. 
yep. because I have a bad memory. And a lot of times I find myself in a record store or on a website selling records or whatever. And I'm like, I know there's albums that I should be keeping an eye open for, but I can't remember what they are. So I went on Discogs, created a profile, uh, filled in some records that I want. And now, like, as I think of them, I'm like, I'm not I'm not breaking my back to do it, but I'm like, oh, yeah, you know, I let me listen to this album. I'll throw it on my Discog. So I'm mm-hmm. sort of filling in my collection, but I think it'll be convenient for me, like I said, uh, if I walk into a new record store. Is there an app? <clears throat> Is there an what? app or you have to do the mobile website? I think it's just There's a website. An app. Oh, no, right. that's cool. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. Because I, I just went to Red Scroll Records in Wallingford, Connecticut, and they got a brand new store, which is great because they're like the best record store I've ever been in, but they were mm-hmm. small physically and they have everything right. laid out and it's really nice. But I'm like, oh, let me go check City and Color. Oh, let me go check Talking Heads. Let me go check this. And I'm walking back and forth because I think of things right. as I'm looking. Right. I'm like, I could just go and order if I had a list. Yeah. And it's nice because Jeff... They have a Discog uh, shop. They so, do. I've, uh, yeah, I've been on their store when I'm looking for stuff, and I'm like, I don't want to go. I just want to see if they have it. Right. I've, I've yeah, looked right. at theirs to see if they have inventory for sure. Yeah, I've bought several things from them. Uh, One thing I have pandemic. to I don't, I don't buy on Discogs. If I see something on their Discogs, I call them because they don't have to like pay a fee or something. I forgot how it works. Mm. Yeah. Jimmy, is there a way to shut off notifications for your want list? Because <laughs> I've gotten about 30 emails saying, like, someone in Denmark has the album you're looking for. Um, I don't know, but I actually enjoy those emails. So oh. um, uh, I, I have gotten annoyed by them and i bought an album because i was annoyed because it kept <laughs> on coming up. But I Jimmy. will have I will have. Um, who is William Onyabar so, soon because that was nice. on my want list and like every day that was getting popped up I'm like fine I'll buy it so yeah that's one that Red Squirrel usually keeps in stock like I'm always seeing new copies pop up there but they, they have like a great world section I just saw last time I went there I didn't get anything because yeah. I was kind of in a rush but they got a lot of a yeah. lot of good stuff there Jimmy what if I was to tell you that I recently used Discogs to purchase your birthday present Oh, wow. I would was believe it you because my, uh, it sounds realistic. Was it from my wish list? <laughs> it was. Wow. Yeah, I purchased that's the way to you do it. a sealed copy of a very nice pressing of The Black Parade by My Chemical Romance. Oh, wow. Very cool. That was on my want list. Thank yes, you. Happy welcome. birthday, Jim. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now the surprise is gone for tomorrow <laughs> when you hand it out over to me. That's okay. Thank you. fellas this is a movie that i watched um i believe it was in it was definitely the same year that moonlight came out because i saw this as a double feature with a buddy of mine and um it was uh basically a little coming to sexual terms of uh (laughs) Finding out your sexuality, uh, movie day. Well <laughs> I don't said, know how to describe that. Yeah. Uh, so uh, my buddy and I both watched this movie in this theater that we both really enjoyed. Um, this was the movie theater that we were thinking about buying at one point, and we did not. Um, hmm. But uh, yeah, so we watched this movie, and uh, the basic plot of the movie is uh, this uh, girl is sort of like a. She's like a pit pocketer, a pickpocketer 
where she um she basically just like like likes to scam people and um she kind of poses as the handmaiden to these sort of like a rich family where she's trying to seduce uh one girl to sort of like get their fortune and stuff like that cool. and uh she sort of like comes to terms with her own uh sexuality throughout the film and uh that's what the movie's about and uh, I will say, not one for the kids. I would not watch this with a, uh, a child in the room because what it's going to get pretty hot and heavy. with a seven-week-old baby who can't see more than 12 inches uh, in front of her face or discern colors? <laughs> we'll probably be okay, but okay. it might be a little awkward. But uh, no, it's, it's very good, uh, very racy, very enjoyable. Um, yeah, I enjoy it. Uh, do you guys have any exposure to this or no? I don't think so. It does not sound familiar to me. Is this a foreign language film, Jimmy? Yep, it is a South or yes, South Korean movie. I have to figure out which Korea it is. Oh, it is a South Korean, prob- Korean. Probably not yeah. the North one. Probably <laughs> yeah. not that. Um, but it's no, not about I've... a handmaiden to glorious leader. No. Um, yeah, no. It's a South Korean movie. It's made by the same director as Old Boy, which was my first South Korean movie, and I started to get more into like foreign films and stuff like that. And Old Boy is a fantastic movie, and um, I definitely recommend it. And we're going to be talking about it at some point. I'm talking into it's just not like readily available, so I didn't want to do it yet. But um, I, I, I have not seen it. I, I, I don't know anything about it. That's all okay. I wanted to say. That's all I wanted to say, Jim. I don't know. <laughs> I'm excited, though, because I, I like foreign films. I like uh, regular films. I yeah. like I like actors and actresses, and I like stories, and uh, it sounds good. <laughs> yeah, I've only seen it once. I saw it once in the theater, so this is going to be my first free watch of it. That's fine. Um, yeah. yeah. It's fun. And you said this is streaming on Amazon? Yep, streaming on Amazon. It was an Amazon-produced movie that I actually saw in the theater, which was kind of cool. And, um, yeah, it was really good. And um, I hope you guys enjoy it. it. Yeah. I don't know if you know this about me, Jimmy, but I like movies. You do? Wow. That's cool. And it's also cool, too, is uh, I'm sort of giving you my first not-coming-of-age story movie. So uh, this is going to be enjoyable. I hope you guys enjoy it. Yeah, didn't you say this is more of a coming to terms with sex terms type of movie? <laughs> yes, uh, correct. Yeah, that was my sort of play on that, and it <laughs> came out sort of like that. So, uh, yeah, you're correct. So when we come back, we're going to watch the film The Handmaiden, and uh, we're going to be spoiling it. And uh, again, don't watch it with the kiddos around because it's going to be it's going to be sexy. My baby Stop. also can't speak Korean, so that's probably good. <laughs> She'll be fine. She reads subtitles, though, right? Uh, that's true. And she does read into subtext. She's very, very intuitive. The Handmaiden. Part yeah. one. Yeah. Yeah. Of two. Oh, yeah. It's separated. It's separated. And uh, Jimmy, can I just say that I couldn't remember which streaming service this movie was on, so I (laughs) I had to search for it a little bit, and the world doesn't want us to watch The Handmaiden. The world wants wants us to watch watch The Handmaiden's Tale. Tale. Yeah, I know. I was like, I have to type out the whole world, the whole word? That's like a baby's toy. (laughs) Yeah, you do. Yeah, it, I remember this coming out and people were not really talking about it and like looking it up and stuff. Nothing came up because everyone was talking about The Handmaid's Tale. Yeah, and we're going to get 
spoilery, by the way. But before yes. we start in on the plot, I also wanted to mention that I don't understand why it's called The Handmaiden. Well, okay. Based oh, are on the you the film, kidding me? No, no, no. Hear me out. Hear me out. <laughs> Based on the plot of the film, I do understand why it's called The Handmaiden. What I should say is that it's inspired by a novel called Fingersmith. I don't understand why that would be called Fingersmith. Well, I, she fingered her mouth. <laughs> That's what you're getting? <laughs> yeah. I thought maybe it was because at the end the guy gets his fingers cut off. Maybe. Wow, oh, we're may- getting real. Oh, yeah, maybe, it, maybe like uh, the guy is a fingersmith and he just needs fingers <laughs> to smith. So, oh, okay. So he got those and then he like sewed them together uh, to so make things. So part one. Yes, part one. Uh, first, before we even get into the plot of fingering, um, I, I noticed that uh, Jimmy probably liked this because of the cinematography. Because oh, like yeah. right off the bat, I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, this is some pretty good cinematography, and it's like the colors were like, I don't know, Jimmy, would you say it's like super saturated? They were really like high contrast colors, and like especially yeah, the outdoor scenes. Yeah, I could definitely say that, especially the outdoor scenes, even like towards the middle of the movie. Yeah, yeah, they're like more outside and stuff. But um, yeah, I would totally agree with that. Yeah. So. so- the movie opens up in like I would say Japanese occupied Korea. We don't get an mm-hmm. exact time frame, I don't think. We we could mm-hmm. assume based on the the setting and the technology. Context. What would yeah. you say? It's like the thirties maybe? That's what it seems like with the cars. Late thirties, early forties, yeah, sure. Um and right off the bat we're sort of thrown into the mix with this like group of people. Are they a family? Are you know, there's like a lot of orphan children. They're in like sort of a a shanty area and one of the women is uh going to become a handmaiden and the other young woman is jealous of her mm-hmm. uh i think the main character's name is suki is that correct yeah, she's got for short. she's got three names like her her real name is suki her first name but she yes. goes by tamako and then in korean it's okju yeah which caused are... great confusion to my wife <laughs> I, I think those na- second two names are given to her as part of the con. yes yeah uh, um so right off the bat this sort of reminded me of parasite because we see like this Dude, that's racist baby no but the <laughs> plot wise i mean it's this underprivileged yeah, it's like similar it's class it deals with classism yeah. and yeah. yeah pickpocket family unit that um uh, is sort of performing this long con uh, on this wealthy family or group. Um, so yeah, she's there's a guy who goes by the name the Count who says that there's this uh, extremely wealthy young woman. She's like an heiress to this large fortune, and she's sort of being kept prisoner by her evil uncle who intends to marry her so he can claim the inheritance. That's hot. Yeah, and, I mean uh, that's gross. <laughs> basically <laughs> this count guy who seems to be a little shady himself has decided that he wants to sweep in and marry the young woman and he needs an inside person to help convince uh the heiress to fall in love with him so he gets suki and he's gonna sneak her in to be this uh heiress's handmaiden am i uh, yes. so far on the board here yeah, yep, you're right. That's correct. But it takes about 45 minutes for us to get there, which I don't think is a bad thing. I just think that you really need to pay attention to this movie, especially since it's in uh, two foreign languages. Yeah. 
um it, it really does drop you in on the deep end like when i was even re-watching this i mean given that i watched this a few years ago at this point but i was like sort of like figuring it out as it was going along again and um, because it takes a lot of twists and turns. Well, yeah. Plus, like when when you don't know those languages, when English is your only language, uh, they could right. sound very similar. They have similar right. roots and uh, styles of speaking. So you really need to pay attention to the color of the uh, yes. subtitle of the subtitles, yeah. because that's actually very important when you're right. When you're cause like if you're watching a movie and somebody switches to Spanish, like, you know that they're speaking a different language. But in this, you don't know. And in some cases, like towards the end, even the count is switching back and forth in the same sentence uh, between and- Korean and Japanese. And it's interesting you bring this up because um, before the film started, there was that little message about the color of the subtitles. And I thought to myself, well, that doesn't matter that much. You know, maybe, (laughs) you know, they're, you know, it's a Japanese occupied Korea, but whatever. But um, what we talked about is the early plot. But there's also this undercurrent that runs through this whole film about basically um, Korean people's desire to sort of code switch and appear as Japanese. Japanese, right. Yeah. Um, there's a classist element that Jimmy referred to where uh, Japanese is considered more like high society, more intellectual. So people are using Japanese in certain situations and Korean and others. And knowing that and understanding when they're switching actually provides some subtext towards like the motivations of the characters and who they're trying to attract or dispel, which I thought was really interesting. Mm-hmm. And even uh, Hideko, who wants to be who is Japanese and she wants to see more Korean too, which is interesting. Right. She was talking about how like, you know, the grass isn't always greener on this side. Sometimes you're looking at it from the other perspective. And, and we should like that. clarify the Hideko is the heiress that we yes. formally yes. mentioned. And, and a lot of this plot is uh, her evil uncle is a book forger. And he is, if I'm correct, he's a Korean man, but he's very interested in impressing you know, he wants people to think he's Japanese. He collects Correct. Japanese art yep. and books, and even his home is inspired by Japanese architecture and British. He's got a subscription to Crunchyroll. He goes to yeah, Hot basically. Topic to get snacks. Yeah, every <laughs> yeah. time he eats a new food, he's like, "Eat the takimas." He's, he's going all in. <laughs> Boy, um, so that's a lot of part one. It's this. It's this sort of con that. The Count and Suki are going to convince Hideko to marry the Count. Uh, what eventually ends up happening, much, much to you know, Suki's dismay, is that she starts to fall in love with Hideko. Mm-hmm. And uh, things get steamy. And then this is when I realize that uh, my cousin Jimmy has recommended that I watch a porno movie. <laughs> uh, which was an uncomfortable feeling but it wasn't even it, it wasn't even like that it was just like a normal love scene until the end and then like right. i had to turn my nine week old baby's head because i was like <laughs> i i know you can't see this and you don't know the context but i am very uncomfortable with you watching this with me now i know how my, my mom felt when we saw titanic in theaters together <laughs> and the anthony, reader <laughs> okay. anthony birch from um uh dungeons and daddies tweeted out I just watched The Handmaiden. It's scissorific. Yeah. So let's talk about this for a second here. 69. Um, I do not think that this film is pornographic. I'm very sex positive. Yeah. And I think that, um, you know, you should be able to show explicit scenes if it's in service of the story. Um, What I will say is that at moments, 
some of these scenes feel a little male gazy. And I've I've heard this criticism yeah. about um this film and and sort of like blue is the warmest color that uh a lot of like true lesbian bisexual or queer women were complaining about these types of depictions uh to sum it up in the most simple form a lot of women in that lifestyle are saying we don't scissor that much <laughs> yeah i've heard that uh, too take that as you may but i will say that uh, you know there wasn't a lot of explicit or gratuity gratuitous nipple or you know downstairs shots but it did feel a little bit like voyeuristic. I was al- I was it. also thinking like this takes place in the late 30s, early 40s or whatever. Right. And these people mm-hmm. are like uh, Hideko, for example, has been in that house since she's five years old. And she doesn't she says she doesn't know how sex works. But then we find out she does these readings and like she's pretty yeah. right. She's pretty versed in uh, the pornography of the time. So maybe she knows more. But like pornography in the last 30 to 40 years has warped or created these new scenarios for people who consume it uh so whereas like we have probably seen uh this situation on film since we were younger (laughs) and we're like yes uh women like to do that together uh whereas maybe it's not that good i don't know i've I'm not a woman. I I've never scissored a woman before. I I don't, I can't say, but what I mean is like back then, how did they know that that was a thing to do? Did they just guess like this feels good? And I don't know. You know what I mean? So Jimmy, first I want to interject and say that this is our second explicit episode ever. You're going to have to put that E on there. Oh boy. Really? (laughs) I don't think think so. so. I don't think Uh, so. Second of all, I will say that I think they actually did a good job handling what Jeff is talking about. Um, all as we get into part two, we're going to talk about this more. But yeah, all the stories that Hideko reads are actually based on real stories of that time period mm-hmm. or even right. further back. So people were just as gross back then. No, they were for sure. Yeah. Um, yes. Even Maybe like not as far graphic, stranger but... stuff. I mean, it was more like, as you see, like descriptive or right. painted. Because, um, I mean, at I th- the end, they're using Benoit balls on that boat. Yeah. You know I mean, uh, I, I think that they did a good job of all right, let's get into part two because I can't really talk about this any longer without <laughs> saying that okay. uh Hideko knew the whole time. Like the, she yeah. was part of the con. Uh right. basically the count goes to her and says, like, listen, I was gonna try to seduce you and marry you, uh, but it's not working. You're not interested in me, so how about we just team up and just split the money? Uh right. and, and the idea is that they're gonna throw Suki in a mental institute and pass her off as Hideko so that Hideko and the Count can go their separate ways and live free lives. Right. And that's the that's the end of part one. So you see the double cross and you're like, oh shit, this sucks. Yeah, but I <laughs> think when they sort of revisit, um, we see throughout part two the events of part one through Hideko's yes. point of view instead of Suki's. I think they did a really good job of Hideko pushing the sexual boundaries of Suki, but making her think that Suki was actually in charge. Oh, yeah. Right. No, she was totally Absolutely. in control the whole time. She was grooming her and everything. Yeah. I like I definitely like part two a lot better than part one because of like how like how well like it interweaves between like the different stories and stuff. I well, think it's, it's really it's, well done. I mean, like we yeah, we call them part one and part two, but 
this this movie stylistically is interesting because at times it seems very stylized almost like um tarantino inspired right with all the time Mm. jumps and you don't at some points you don't know what's happening when uh, the same scene from different people's perspectives and that's really cool but then at other times it just seems like a a classical period piece and Mm. i think that it's actually balanced pretty well uh, the two things, which in other movies, like I think that I don't know if it could be pulled off as well or if it has been pulled off this this type of storytelling, because uh, mm-hmm. sure, it's part two, but it's not like chronologically part two. Right. I would say uh, Jeff and Jimmy, has either of you seen the favorite? Yes. Uh, what's that about? Uh, it's about it's a Olivia it's about a Coleman. gout woman. <laughs> oh no i haven't seen that yet oh, okay. I, I know what you're talking about i do want to watch i that, got though. a lot of um the favorite vibes from this as jeff was saying really because like, i oh. got a lot of uh the knight's tale from this <laughs> a lot of <laughs> bohemian that, rhapsody actually. jousting um not really but no me either i was making that up daniel <laughs> good one uh but yeah it's <laughs> it's definitely like a highly stylized and like um I don't know. How can I say like it has a real point of view from the director and writer, uh, mm-hmm. whereas a lot of uh, period piece dramas uh, do not really have that strong right. point of view. Um, but yeah, I mean, so part one and part two are kind of happening concurrently and they're happening through different point of views. Mm-hmm. We, we talked about Hideko has basically, basically been raised by her uncle. It's this weird sort of. Uh, I don't know how you would describe this, but she's like reading these erotic tales to titillate these men. And then at the end, her uncle like sweeps in and like auctions off the book that she's reading. Yes. Like the gist of it. Totally true. Basically, yeah. You don't really, it's kind of weird because it switches so quickly to like this love story, this double cross, this love triangle to all of a sudden it's like this erotica bondage club. Mm Mm-hmm. And but then it makes more sense because when he does auction off the books like they they lay these uh, stones down for you to to get there. But it's once it gets there, it's like a totally different tone. Mm-hmm. So we get a lot of that backstory in here, but we also get um, sort of the realization that not only did Suki like unexpectedly and unwillingly fall in love with Hideko, but Hideko had the same experience. So. She went into the situation like feeling, oh, this Suki woman is here to like screw me over and con me. Yep. And I'm going to throw her in the mental institute. But what happens is she falls in love with with Suki as well. And we see that the second double cross has happened. <laughs> and Hideko, A quadruple cross. Yeah. My math has <laughs> done my brain right. Because two and times she- two is four, Dan. Yeah, and she uh, basically has teamed up with Suki saying like, hey, you're going to go in this mental institute, but then I'm going to break you out and we're going to get back against, going to get the count back and, and get my fortune and, and we're going to go live happily ever after. Yes. So I think that's pretty much part two until the ending when um, Hideko takes Suki down to the basement where she's been like tortured and punished by her uncle and where he keeps his collection of like rare books and art and uh Suki just gets like furious. I thought this was a really powerful scene to show yeah that their relationship is more than just, you know, erotic fascination or um you know, they're not just like 
having this like sexual exploration they actually mm-hmm. have deep emotions for each other and the way suki like destroys the uncle's whole collection it's like breaking of, her chains and freeing her exactly oh, yeah and it's a manifestation of like vengeance and like, oh yeah for sure and some even, form of justice and at that point hideko was even narrating talking about how she was just like this pit pocket um you know just like this lowly scummy kind of lady and uh like what she can do is beyond what people would think and then she's just like she just destroys the place which i thought was awesome it was a really well shot scene too i love the angle and the lighting and just like it was awesome yeah so i'm gonna get a little artsy fartsy here if you guys can bear with me for a moment oh i am here for it (laughs) i feel fart away baby (laughs) i feel like this scene (laughs) is um an exploration or a deconstruction of the class systems within this film. So yeah, definitely we've seen throughout all of part one and part two that these two characters come from different worlds. Uh, They have different experiences. They've been brought up different ways. They have different ways of dealing with the world around them and the people in it. And it all comes to a boiling point here. I feel like part three is more plot heavy and more, like a heist type thing like we see the the end of the con play out right but this destructive act between suki and the emotional reaction that hideko has to it is to me like when these two worlds finally collide and from this point on i no longer really had any doubts about who was playing who which i was happy about i i felt like really comfortable that these two were legitimately like had each other's backs yes yeah oh yeah definitely it it the way that it's directed, I totally agree with that. I mean, he's a great director, so. It's um, visceral, yeah. but it's also, like, there's, it's steeped in layers of metaphor. Like, I love um, the throwing the books into the water and, yep. like, spraying the paint. It's like she's changing them. I don't know. It's one thing to see her tearing things up, but to see them, like, submerged and, like, being, you know, sort of washed and reborn. Yeah, that, because the the kicking them in the water is the middle finger, and then the destroying them further is the double middle finger. Right. It's, yeah, it's and like, plus it's plus it's just like visually appealing to like it's oh, just for sure. good, like cinematography and stuff. You know. Yeah, the blue water with the sudden splashes of red paint. Yeah. And, yeah. Really so well I thought done. that was like a. I thought that was really like the emotional climax of the film. Which makes sense because of where it's located. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Seeing as it's like uh, two thirds of the way through the movie. Yeah. Yep. Um, And then we get into part three. Jeff, why don't you sort of take us through part three? I don't remember when part three exactly started. Damn it, Jeff. Part three (laughs) takes place when Suki is in the mental institute and her former allies, her friends, uh, break her out. Yeah. No, I didn't see that on the screen. I thought it was just two parts. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) Yeah, but I mean, so wait, so we ended with silence, bro. I'm talking. Can you not hear me? (laughs) Yeah. Hello? No, that one was on purpose. (laughs) (laughs) No, but just like you said, like once she's broken out and I mean, so this part was a little confusing because I was even watching it with my life and she said something like, when does like destroying these books take place and i thought i thought this was a flashback but it feels like she's all it feels like it's now so there there was like some confusion 
as to the chronology of events but then like as yeah. soon as we said that like as soon as they show that scene then they like flash back to her in the mental institution and i was like oh okay so this was before she went to the right. institution right yeah um so then like then when she gets out then like that's when they show like the double double cross really like it like exactly what dan said you know who's on whose side and that was a lot better uh going to the end of the movie because like now you know like real motives because before it's Mm. it's mysterious and it's suspenseful and you don't really know what's going on now you do and you're just waiting to see it played out Mm -hmm. and 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 like there were so many parts in here when i was like i thought for a second that maybe hideko and the guy i don't remember his name uh, she was going to no, the other guy that was trying to marry her, the Korean dude. Yeah, that's, that's the count. count. You're oh yeah with the uncle. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I forgot that he goes by the count. Um, yeah, that she was gonna Romeo and Juliet him because they mentioned like Romeo and Juliet earlier in the movie, like mm-hmm. in a couple lines, and then she like drinks the poison and kisses him, and I was mm-hmm. like, oh, like. I thought that she was with Suki, but now she's, I don't like, I didn't know. I, I knew that she was suicidal and like she had the aunt that hung herself and yeah. I thought that was going to play out. And then like, she just didn't pass out. And I'm like, Oh, okay. I don't think that's how poison works, but whatever. <laughs> uh, and then he passes out and I thought he was just like dead, dead. And I'm like, Oh shit, this is crazy. Um, but yeah, there's just, there was just so much like really shitty backstabbing in this and, it was great. And like the, the scene when um, Suki and uh, Hideko are escaping and like Hideko is still wearing like her posh clothes and her hat and her umbrella and uh, Suki's like carrying everything. And she has to, they're like jumping over a wall together and she's still like helping her over the wall. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And me and my wife were like, why is she still like serving well, her? <laughs> it, can it's I really interject funny. for a second? Yeah. I think you actually have the time frame confused. Uh, I probably do. Yeah. That scene where they're escaping and she helps her over the wall is actually when they're going off with the count for Hideko to get married to the count. I think okay. That's so, right. yeah. So, yeah, they I, get, told, they I have the all canoe. the time. As, yeah. Oh, you're right. And then they flash back to the canoe at the end. Yeah. So then yes. okay. uh, the scene where you're talking about with the poisoning, um, Hideko, she basically doesn't put anything in her wine and she puts three drops which is enough to like knock someone out in um the count's wine she ends up taking a little sip of it to convince him that it's okay and then he right. lugs the rest down okay i um, thought she spit it in his mouth yeah i think i think oh, you're right jeff maybe i misconstrued that i thought he took yeah. a sip afterwards but um anything i know about it's about spitting in somebody's <laughs> mouth <laughs> yeah <laughs> so then we see um Suki and Hideko, now they're they're leaving. They're taking the tickets that the Count had purchased. He wanted to like yeah. run away to Russia and marry Hideko for real. And they change those tickets into tickets for Shanghai. And this is when we see Hideko dressed as a man and she has counterfeited a passport. Yeah, she was like a twink businessman. I was like, oh man, <laughs> this is definitely an LGBT movie. This is awesome. And it yeah. was smart because the uncle had sent like agents out to find them and they were like, any two women who are traveling together must be stopped in question. And I was like, right. yo, that's smart, yo. <laughs> that's yeah. real smart. And and I like 
getting back to what I said about uh, like a classical movie versus a stylized movie, then we get into like some Eli Roth hostile territory. Yeah. At the end. In torture, torture basement. Yeah. And like, that was, that was pretty cool. And uh, my wife was like, oh man, I wanted to see him cut off his wiener. And I was like, well, <laughs> just, just watch hostile too. And she's like, yeah, that's, that's cool. And then I throw it to the dogs. I'm like, yeah, yeah. Throw that wiener to the dogs. Um, but it was cool. Cause Spoiler I mean, alert. like, yeah, spoiler alert for Hostile 2, everybody. Sorry if I ruined it for you. Um, Hostile 3, not good. Um, yeah, but then he's like, he lost his fingers. He's like got his hand drilled. He knows he's not going to get out of there. And like, I knew something was up with the cigarettes. I thought yeah, he was yeah. just getting him high because he was getting all like silly. And I was like, mm-hmm. yo, this dude hot boxes motherfucker. Sorry, Jim. <laughs> um, and then he's like, mercury cigarettes. At least I'll die with my cock. And I'm like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah die with your cock. Yeah, 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 cock. Yeah, die. <laughs> wow. I thought uh, they did a really good job foreshadowing that. Like, how many times did we see him open that cigarette? So many times. And see, like, and, like the yeah. two blue cigarettes. There were some, like, really nice scenes when he was, like, he drew, like, this lady and then just, like, mm-hmm. rolled it up into a cigarette and smoked it. <laughs> I was like, this is yeah. cool. He's like, oh, he that was uh, um, Hideko. He's like, this is how yeah. I yep. can possess beauty that I normally wouldn't be. Able yeah, this to. Jimmy, whether or not I'm talked into this movie, I am talked into smoking now because that was so cool. <laughs> He's like the first dude that made smoking look cool. <laughs> I also really like the the scene where he's dying too, where he's flashing back to the canoe and it's sort of like getting darker and darker. I yeah, that was, and, it, it was and it like really it flashes well back and forth between all of them. That was pretty cool. Yeah. If we're gonna before we end the movie, if we're gonna talk about a couple specific scenes, I, I do want to mention one other one that we forgot to mention, which is I believe it's in part two. It's when we see the the moment where Hideko reveals the double cross to Suki, which is when she's decided that like she can't take this, she can't be married to the cow, and she's like sort of trapped in this life and she's gonna kill herself. And mm-hmm. she goes out to the cherry tree where her aunt committed suicide. Yeah, great and scene. She basically also, like, that was also another scene that we didn't really talk about either. I love the scene. I mean, obviously depicting suicide in, in movies is, is a little like hot topic, but um there uh the scene where you see her hanging from the cherry blossom tree, I thought was like gorgeous. Yeah. It was really well done. And then it looks like we're gonna get sort of a sequel to that scene with Hideko. Right. Uh but as she like lowers herself off the tree branch, uh it pans back and Suki is holding her up. Yes. And there was and that really, they, f- there was that real funny part when she like accidentally and like anger just like walks away and she starts to strangle. Yeah. That was pretty silly. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, I thought that was a, a really nice moment to show that like the only thing that could bring them together was like life or death. It was right. Deco's possible death. And then they just finally opened up to each other. Yeah, I mean, even visually like that scene is great. And the scene when, um, they, they show it a few times in part one and two when Sookie's going back to get the oil paint. And when she comes back, yeah. she catches them kissing and like um, Hideko's just standing there. That's a really nice shot. Like all the outside shots are really good. And there's that one scene when uh, Hideko's eating her rice one grain at a time. And it's like these bright red and whites and it's cutting back and forth to them walking up those mossy steps that are like green and gray. And just like the contrast and the timing of cutting back and forth of that was so nice to look at. Yeah, Yeah. definitely. Uh, And then so should we just talk about the the celebratory final sex scene? (laughs) Yeah, that was if you want. I think that was tasteful. It wasn't 
exploitative or like you know anything like that mm-hmm. it was it was nice it was a bit over the top for me like oh yeah uh, no, it was it was totally over the top it's not realistic at all but like this movie isn't realistic it's it yeah. is stylized and and like you mentioned blue is the warmest color that's like whether it's exploitative or not it's a lot more intimate and real than this mm. this is this is like this is like a liquid painting yeah right? it's, it's just like it, it's guess pure art this scene unlike the other sex scenes felt a little bit like uh cartoonish almost. yeah totally like, i was just gonna say cartoony it's like a live action anime like the fact or that uh, okay so earlier when hideka was reading the pornographic books one of them refers to this story of like the jingling bells or something yeah right which we're not going to tell that story on this podcast but <laughs> uh let's just say it has to do with sexual acts involving multiple bells and uh we see this play out as uh hideko and suki are on um like i guess a boat or a ferry and yeah, uh yeah. they're in they're this going private to cabin and the the film basically ends uh, with this pullout shot. We see like this beautiful night moonlit sky, this boat on the water, and then just the sound of jingling bells. <laughs> <laughs> and all I could think of was, and they gazed upon the chimes of freedom flashing. <laughs> but yeah, uh, yeah I, I like the sentiment. Uh, I don't know if I want to end this movie with a giggle, and that's what I did. <laughs> but uh, yeah. I mean, it's what did you guys think of it? Well, Dan, first, I would like to thank you for uh, taking lead of this conversation for parts one and two, which I wrote a ton of notes for and then throwing oh. to me when I stopped making taking notes. Um, Sorry. But yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think I don't I don't know what I could say before we answer <laughs> the question. All right. Well, Jimmy, why don't you pose the question? Unless you have a final push for us, is there like a sequel coming out or anything? <laughs> no, I mean like I don't know. I my kind of takes on the sex scenes and stuff. I think it's supposed to parallel the, the erotic stories that she's reading and for stuff, sure. and sort of like gives that like over the top feeling. Like, like when they not. actually show the octopus in the tank, that was really right. cool. I was like, this is so silly, right. and like he has fermented vaginas and genitals, and it's just so yeah. weird. I mean, I don't think this is supposed to be like a super realistic movie. It's, no. it's it's more so going for style rather than like, I don't know. But um, all right. I guess I'll ask the question. Dan and Jeff, did I talk you into The Handmaiden? Yes. Yeah, of now, course. It's good. Will I ever watch it again? Probably not. But it was enjoyable. It was it kept me interested the whole time. Uh, mm-hmm. There wasn't any part where I was bored. It was generally intriguing. Um, I was it always kept me guessing. It was nice to look at. And because I had to read it and there was no option for dub, uh, <laughs> it kept me looking at Engaged. the screen. Yeah. Other than when I was taking notes like there, were, I missed a few things because I was like looking down, taking notes. And uh, even my wife, she was like, my, it's funny because my wife loves to read. She could read faster than anybody on Earth. I think it's like a superpower. And she watches everything with subtitles. But foreign movie was with subtitles. She's like, I don't want to watch this. Uh, but when, <laughs> when this started, um, she went to like leave the room. And I was like, do you want me to pause it? Just joking. And she was like, yes, I'm interested in this. <laughs> oh, that's good. So, yeah, we were like talking about it as it was going through. So, yeah, it was it was an interesting movie. It was good to look at. It was. It was simple, but like, I don't think that's doing it 
any favors by calling it that. But it was it was a simple story that like, I mean, even like after part one, it was all just it was basically just exposition just like this is exactly what happened which i usually don't like right. but they pulled it off somehow yeah it's kind uh, of interesting it's it's like they're retconning the movie as they're making it which i thought was kind of interesting yeah and and i've seen that done i maybe this might be wrong but i think like in knives out they kind of did that and it wasn't yep. as good mm. um yeah. i didn't i didn't think they pulled it off as well but yeah like movies like that when they're like well, actually I, this is what happened <laughs> i'm gonna sort of frame this in a way that might be unexpected but i see a lot of back to the future part two in this movie <laughs> <laughs> i mean you hear me out though you're talking about recontextualizing you, events. Bojo. You're talking about recontextualizing events from a different point of view. You're talking about sort of like uh, people in charge of changing their own destiny and a little bit of caperishness to it. I mean, I don't know. That's what I kept thinking of while I was watching it. Benoit balls don't work on water <laughs> unless, unless you got, got power. power. <laughs> so, Jimmy, uh, yes. you... Re- you I'm a hard yes on this. I like yeah, this a lot. And I figured I'm, you would. I'm honestly surprised because I wasn't like super jazzed to watch it. I, I kept putting it off. I um, did too. I actually started it and then I got like real busy like 20 minutes in and I had to stop. And then rather than continue, I just started it over because I was like, I don't know what's yeah. happening right now. <laughs> um, And I also have to say you did a good job talking us into it because something that you said in this episode, like just a few minutes ago actually made me enjoy it more which is that uh the comment that the the sex scenes are a parallel to the -the over-the-top nature of the erotic stories right and that sort of got me thinking that if you know anything about erotic fiction from japan as i'm sure you guys are experts in that field (laughs) uh, yeah i've dabbled (laughs) but you what you would not a fan but i'm aware of it yes (laughs) is that they weren't like it's hard to contextualize them in Western culture parallels because we mm. think of erotic storytelling as like penthouse letters where you're supposed to believe that these <laughs> things really happened. Yeah. Uh, and that's not R slash gone like. wild stories. Exactly. <laughs> like, <laughs> just me. Uh, erotic, erotic storytelling in like f- ancient feudal medieval Japan was, was sort of more like Aesop's fables. They were like tall tales that right. were just meant to entertain and titillate. Right. And now they're AFAP's fables. Yeah, I like it. <laughs> yeah. But when you got me thinking of wow. like, hey, is this movie a modern day version of one of those stories? I was like, I could kind of see that. At right. least that's definitely an argument you could make. Yeah, definitely. Um. So, yeah, unlike Jeff, I would definitely watch this again. I would recommend it for friends. And I would go so far as to say like from this uh from some of the other films we've discussed on this podcast that I'm drawing a na- uh, blank on the name of, uh, but I like need to see more Korean films. Oh yeah, the host I'm you did doing yes. old boys. Oh, you actually you actually did like the host and Jimmy yeah. didn't, which was weird. Um, but yeah, if you compare this to Moonlight, which Jimmy saw on the same day, and it's similar themes, I like this uh, incredibly more than Moonlight. Really, oh, really, a lot. Oh yeah, I I, th- I was a no on Moonlight. Um, I didn't hate it. But uh, yeah, this one I liked a lot more. And I think it's because it is like it it does have that Tarantino feel without trying to be him, which I think is mm-hmm. good because like there are some movies like that try to be Tarantino and you just you never will be. So don't try to. But this is like 
it just feels like and, and maybe that's because Tarantino is inspired by uh, Eastern cinema and stories right. like that. So that might be it's just like this uh, this cycle that just feeds each other. And yeah, I, I, I just thought that it was I like the style a lot more than Moonlight. It I was like very, that take. Oh, oh go sorry, ahead, Dan. Uh, I was just going to say, it was very strange recommending this to Ben or Barber the other day. I was like, you know, this is a really good movie, but I will warn you, it is very sexy. By the way, guys, we all got haircuts. Like, I got my haircut the same day as Dan, and then Jimmy got it like two days later. Wow. Cute. We're cool. Yeah. Um, I was going to make a funny joke at Jeff's expense, but that time has passed. We've moved on to haircut <laughs> conversation. <laughs> uh, Next week so yeah. on Talk Me Into, we are going from uh, The Handmaiden's Tale to to another foreign uh, group of people. You do realize people. that this movie was not called The Handmaiden's Tale. Right? Yes, no, yeah, I do. Yeah, okay. that, it was a joke. It was that's a That's the joke. A goof or a gag. Uh, I am going to be introducing you to three Australian fellas who go by the name Auntie Donna. What does that mean? I don't know, but there's some funny boys, and it is a <laughs> sketch group that I recently found out about because they have a show on Netflix called Auntie Donna's Big Old House of Fun. Um, and I, I instantly fell in love with their absurd type of humor. And do you guys have any exposure to Auntie Donna? Zip. Mm, I watched the trailer on Netflix for the show, but did not watch any of the show. Okay, well, next week I am definitely 100% talking both of you into Auntie Donna. Is it definitely 100% Pokemon free? 100% Pokemon free. That is such a great story that I don't even think we should tell. I think we should just keep people wondering uh, what they mean by that. If you write to us asking about that story, we will not read the email on the air. We will delete it. (laughs) Dan, where can people find Talk Me Into online? Fellas, we are all over the onlines. Um, we are on twitter.com slash talk me into. Every time you say it, I hate it. <laughs> we are on instagram.com slash talk me into pod. Um, we're, we're on YouTube. Search talk me into. Uh, we have a Patreon that we're going to be revamping, or maybe we already have. You'll have to wait and see. Patreon.com slash talk me into. What else, guys? You can always email us if you feel so inclined. Talk me into at gmail.com. Yeah, everywhere. Correct. Jeff. Jeff, yeah. where where are you online? I am on Twitter at J-E-F-F-F-F-F-27. That's Jeff with five Fs and number 27. Uh, I use Instagram. It is uh, a page I use called Magic the Clippening, where I post pictures of disgusting fingernails uh, that Magic the Gathering players have posted online. And so far, only one person has contacted me and be like, those are my pictures. What are you doing? And I was like, you don't have good nail hygiene. And then he blocked me. <laughs> correct so that's where i'm that's where i am at james where can people find you personally on the internet you can find me at talk or oh wow not wow talk me too you can find wow, me at big son dummy. Of a, you can find me at son of a fitch on twitter instagram and youtube where i'll be uh i don't know trying to be funny dan where can people find you online I will not be funny on Twitter under the name Danny underscore breakdown and check out my band. We've got new music coming. I recorded guitar tracks last week. It's old dogs That's old with an E dogs Thank you for listening to talk me into what will we talk you into next?
One, two, Auntie Donna. That's their theme song. It's like dubstep. Cool. I hope it popped on the snowball mic. I'm waiting oh, for the bars. Did. Oh, oh, yeah, dude. That's real bad. Have fun with that, Jim. That's funny. You didn't know that, Jim? No, I didn't know she wrote a review. That's real mm. funny. <clears throat> All right. It'd be funnier uh... if she was like, one of the hosts has a big cock. I'll let you back. <laughs> oh, you're blowing my eardrums. I know. I had to lean back. I saw it explode on the microphone. <laughs> oh, boy.